This land is your land This land is my land From California To the New York Island From the Redwood And I'm your host of Heartstock Radio And today our guest is Jen Yule of Women's Foundation of Montana in Powerhouse, Montana. In just a moment, Jen will be back with us and tell us all about what she's up to. But remember also that you can find us on Facebook. We always post there who our guest is going to be and our previous shows are posted there as well. And also you can email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. This is Heartstock and we're glad you're here. Uh, we'll be, be back in just a moment. This is Carol Murphy, your host. This is Heartstock Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Today, our guest is Jen Yule of Women's Foundation of Montana and Powerhouse Montana. Hi, Jen. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on Heartstock. You're talking with us from Missoula. We were just chit-chatting a little bit earlier. Um, how's it going over there in Missoula with all uh, that's happening in the world today? I feel pretty lucky to be in Montana right now. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us are a little bit anxious now, of course, with the increase in the number of COVID cases. But I think that overall, we feel pretty good about, you know, trying to be safe and socially distance and hopefully spend lots of time outside. So, yeah, we I think it, we're doing well. Yeah, that's one of the most beautiful things about being here during COVID. It is so easy to social distance. So. There's so many questions that I have for you, but I think what we have to do to start with is just give our listeners a selection of who is Women's Foundation of Montana and what do you do there okay. as, the, as the director? Absolutely. So the Women's Foundation of Montana is a statewide nonprofit organization and virtually a component of the Montana Community Foundation. Um, Our mission is all about economic independence for Montana women and a brighter future for girls. So our work is really about trying to figure out the particular ways in which we could do interventions that would benefit women and help them to have a more prosperous future. And so within that, I think we have kind of three main buckets of work that we do. One of those is grant making. So we make grants to nonprofit organizations across the state that are doing great work for women and girls. We also do statewide research and reporting. So we prepare um, reports uh, on the status of women in Montana and um, ask hard questions about how women are doing in the workforce. And then we take that information we take it to the legislature and to the governor uh, and try and influence statewide policy. And we also take that information and share it 
with a lot of the organizations across the state that are doing great work for women and girls um, so that they have more information to kind of shape their programming and what it is um, that they Mm -hmm. can do to help women and girls. And then finally, if we can't figure out how to kind of make the impact we want either through our grant making or through the research and reporting work, we sometimes start our own programs too. So one of those is Powerhouse Montana. And Powerhouse Montana is primarily, it started as an online platform uh, where women can go to connect to mentors and resources and opportunities across the state. Um, But out of that um, connecting place online grew all kinds of in-person groups as well. So there are powerhouse groups in different communities across the state as well, where women gather and just learn from each other and also support each other and help each other to be successful. So that's another piece of our work too. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, why is this work so important? I mean, some may hear this and think, well, you know, why? Why is that something that we should be focusing on? and spending money and resources on. Is yeah. it so important? Absolutely. So while women have made great strides, I mean, we know at this point in history, women make up a larger portion of those who are graduating from college, um, for instance, as one statistic. Um, and that's wonderful. And we're really happy about the progress that women have made. We also still have to acknowledge the fact that despite the fact that they graduate from college at a higher rate, they do not make as much money in their life and they are much less likely to be in any kind of position of authority or leadership in comparison to men in our culture. And so I think, you know, we're kind of on this long journey towards equity and we're kind of in the middle. So we've made a lot of progress, um, but we have a lot more progress to go. And it's not just about sort of women's equity, but it's also about all of us and our communities and our families and the fact that, you know, when women do better, we all do better. Women are more likely to invest any money they make in their communities and their families. And, you know, they're more likely to influence policy in a way that really benefits community and families. And so we're very interested in thinking about how we advance women's economic opportunity individually and also how that changes the larger culture and our future together. Mm-hmm. And when you joined Women's Foundation of Montana, was it as a director or did you have other positions there before? I I was hired as the director. I think I was the first full-time director of the Women's Foundation in the past. There had been directors, but they were part-time. And so I think I was the first one they hired to kind of just work on this full-time. And what did you do before this? Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Are you from Montana here? Yep. I was born in Billings. Um, I grew up on a farm about 35 miles east of Billings in the Huntley Project area near Pompey's Pillar. And I think, you know, like many in Montana, I grew up with a sense that in some sense, we were all equal. We all had to work hard. I feel like we were all appreciated um, for our skills and talents. But at the same time, there were pretty prescribed gender roles. And so, you know, my brother was more likely to be fixing fence while I was more likely to be cleaning the house kind of thing. And so my mom always teases me because she feels like I sort of was born with this sense that there was injustice <laughs> in the world that I needed to <laughs> fix. And so, yeah, she always says the first words out of my mouth were, it's not fair. Nice. So, so yes, I felt like I had to try and work <laughs> on that from a young age. So I think I came to this naturally. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I had lots of other work working in the field of women's and girls work before I came to the Women's Foundation. So, oh, tell us about that. What did you do before? Let's see. That my first position working on women's and girls issues was working for the YWCA Missoula. I started as a volunteer advocate, and then I was hired on to work there part time, and then eventually as the director of the shelter, and then. I started a program called Guts, Girls Using Their Strengths, with a bunch of other women, which was an amazing experience. But I really had a sense that I needed to start with girls and work with them and thinking about what their own personal strengths are and thinking about what their values and their passions were from a young age and thinking about who they wanted to be in the world. So that was an amazing opportunity. It actually started at Women's Voices for the Earth, and then we moved it to the YWCA Missoula later. And during this time, I was getting various degrees at the University of Montana to kind of supplement my learning and and help educate this effort. And then I actually became the program director at the YWCA Missoula for a while. So I was supervising all their programs for women who were experiencing violence and families who were homeless, as well as the girls leadership program guts. And then the Montana Community Foundation asked me to apply for the Women's Foundation of Montana position. Um, And it was a great opportunity for me to think about how I could influence these kind of issues statewide. And so it's been a good place for me to think about what kind of policies shape women's and girls' experiences, what kind of relationships and opportunities do they need to be successful, and how can we help make those things happen. You mentioned a couple degrees. Can you tell us a little bit about what you studied and why you chose those routes? Sure. I started out. This is funny. So in my home growing up in rural Montana, my parents did not, were not fans of television. And so my, basically my sort of window into the outside world was the National Geographic. And so I felt like the most exciting, most wonderful career would be to work for the National Geographic. So I started out wanting to be a journalist. Then I came to um, Missoula, yeah, to study journalism. And I particularly wanted to be a photographer, actually, originally. But it turns out I'm not a very good photographer. (laughs) So that didn't work out. However, my commitment to thinking about sort of how I could change the world as a person persisted. And uh, I got my journalism degree with a minor um, in political studies. And then I ended up actually moving to Chicago for about three months to work for a television station because I had experience in broadcasting journalism. And then I determined that I was not meant to be the person who lives in Chicago and I needed to come back to Montana. (laughs) And so then I decided I needed to figure out how I was going to be able to make difference in another way besides journalism, because I felt like in order to do well in journalism at that time, I would have had to move to a big market and I didn't want to live in a big city. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to live in Montana. I still wanted to make a difference. And so I started volunteering for the YWCA and found that experience working with women to be so powerful that I ended up going back to school and getting another bachelor's in social work with a minor in women's studies, and then going on to get um, two master's degrees in social work and environmental studies as I built uh, the Guts Girls Leadership Project, Mm -hmm. which has a whole component that's like an outdoor leadership piece too, so. Well, and I, I love that you threw the environment in there. Why did you do that? Growing up in Montana, of course. 
course, the sort of the, the earth and our relationship with it has always been a huge part of my life. And what I found with the outdoor leadership piece was that if I took girls out into the woods, I got rid of a lot of the pieces that were causing a negative reaction, if that makes sense. So I could isolate them from, you know, for instance, like the feedback of their friends and the media and their phone and all of these things that were hard, challenging pieces. And I could put them in an environment where they could have both quiet, but also like a relationship and an experience um, with something larger than themselves that was powerful. And I think it really helped me to kind of affirm their own personal strengths and their own um, relationship with themselves and their interests and passions and strengths. And so it just, it was the perfect environment for that. And beyond that, I felt like having grown a relationship with the earth, they were more likely to go on to have that as a part of their belief system and sort of their decision-making process moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I've we've had other guests on the show that really feel like there's a strong link between the way that we treat the environment and the way women are seen and treated. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? And if so, can you share a little of your thoughts around that issue? Yeah. I mean, I think certainly on a deep level, that is true. I think that a lot of times um, women have a more holistic view of the world that is encompassing of the environment and people. And so to me, women's leadership is important not only because of equity, but because I think women are more likely to be considering different factors in their decision-making, if that makes sense. And one of those Mm -hmm. is the earth. Yeah, Um, it's a a valuable perspective. Yeah. It's lost oh. sometimes. When, <laughs> yes, when, yeah, left out exactly. So uh, yeah, when we leave out women, we leave out some really important aspects of who we are as as humans and what's important. Just like um, different nationalities. Absolutely, we've had other guests that have talked about this same exact issue. That especially when we leave out people of color and other orientations, there's valuable information that you bring to the table and perspectives that it really creates a disaster sometimes because mm-hmm. big mistakes are made and, you know, how we view even customers or um, suppliers, if mm-hmm. that's not part of the discussion. So we are at that halfway point. We're going to take a, a very brief and quick break. In just a moment, we will be right back with Jen. This is Hardstock Radio. Thanks for listening.
This is Heart Talk Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Daniel Hogan is manning the board, and we have Jen Yule here with Women's Foundation of Montana. Hi again, Jen. How are you? Hi. I'm doing well. Thanks so much. Good, good. So let's focus a little bit for a moment on Women's Foundation of Montana. Can you give us a little history and who your affiliates are? All that kind of good fun stuff. Sure. So it's a really fun story, actually, how the Women's Foundation got started, because, of course, it was an amazing woman and a few other amazing women who joined them. So uh, Merle Chambers, who is a woman whose family owns lots of oil wells and interests in oil in the West, kind of grew up in the oil fields in Montana, as well as some other states. And in doing so, she felt like she could see how men had some economic opportunities through the oil fields, but in a lot of the communities that she lived in, women did not have a lot of opportunities. So when she kind of rose into leadership in her family and in the company, she decided that she would like to figure out if there was a way to invest some of the resources that they'd gained through their business back into the states in which they had had their oil wells and you know where they'd made their money and also figure out if there was a way to invest in women in those states. So she was really the one who had the long-term vision of creating a women's foundation in Montana and what it could do for Montana women. And so in the late 90s, she came to the Montana Community Foundation and offered them a $500,000 gift if they could raise $500,000 to match it to create a million-dollar endowment that would forever benefit women and girls in the state. And it took a few years, but of course, you know, some of these resourceful Montana women got it done and they raised the money and created the endowment. And in the meantime, the Merle Chambers Fund actually kept giving the Women's Foundation of Montana funds to kind of fuel our efforts here and to start doing grant making so that we could really show what the fund could do and raise more money in that way. And so by 2004, they had raised the million dollars and created the endowment. And that's really how the Women's Foundation was started. From the beginning, the Chambers Fund and Merle really said, you know, the the way that we want this money to be used is to figure out how to create economic opportunities for Montana women and girls. So that has been the mission from the beginning, that this is really about sustainability and prosperity for Montana women and girls but using our local resources and the people here to figure out how we can help support that. And that's really what the Women's Foundation has been all about. So through the years, we've invested in lots of different things, both through our grant making and our work. But I'll just give you like a a broad overview. A lot of the work has been about thinking about policy change. So if there are ways in which we can change policies at a statewide level that will really help Montana women and girls, That's one thing. And probably the piece that we're most well-known for or that has made the biggest impact was when we worked with partners to pass a law to limit the amount that payday lenders could charge people because so many poor Montana women were going to payday lenders to try and get a loan to pay you know, the rent or to get medicine or whatever, food or whatever, and then finding that they owed so much money they could never get out of that debt trap. So we worked with others to change that. But beyond that, a lot of our investments besides policy change work have been in thinking about job training for women 
thinking about how we train young women to negotiate better. So they come into the job market with a higher wage and continue to get raises on a regular basis. Thinking about how we can provide young women and girls with education in areas where we feel like they could be really financially successful. So non-traditional careers, programs for girls that teach them, you know, how to do welding and electrical work and all of those things, but also STEM programs that teach girls about science and technology and math and, and, the, and the potential career opportunities there and get them involved in those things. And so these have all been areas that we have invested over the years. And we've invested, I think now, more than 850000 in Montana over the last 20 years, getting close to 900000 in in these efforts to really support and help women be more successful. And how about affiliates? Is there a network that you belong to that's nationwide? Yeah. So we actually belong to the Women's Funding Network, and it's an international organization. So some of the funds are in other countries as well, but there are a lot of funds that are right here in the U.S. too. It's interesting because, of course, as always, Montana is slightly different in that, you know, Montana has a big area and not very many people. So we have a statewide foundation. And there are a few other statewide foundations. A lot of women's foundations serve just like a metropolitan area, you know, like Denver or New York or San Francisco. But there are a few other statewide foundations as well. And then there are lots of other foundations across the world that do the same work. And it's really helpful for us because we're able to access sort of the shared wisdom of all of these funds in doing work internationally. And and some of it you know, is very particular to place, but a lot of it is universal. And that's what's interesting is just being able to learn from people who are doing work, you know, in Africa or Australia or in so many different parts of the world and with sort of different capacities and people they're serving, but all of us in the interest of serving women and girls. And maybe you could talk just a little bit about, uh, both from the perspective of somebody that would like to receive education or help or grants and then mm-hmm. other women who would like to be involved as far as, you know, finding more money for you and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So the Women's Foundation itself has a website on which a lot of this information can be accessed. It's w fmontana.org, www.wfmontana.org. And that is where we have information about our grant making. We have a lot of other information about women's philanthropy. Usually we have our larger grant making cycle in the spring of the year. And all of our grants have to go to nonprofits and they all need to be projects that are in some way working on women's and girls' futures, especially the economic um, futures of women and girls. And then we also have, as I mentioned earlier, our powerhouse website, powerhousemt.org. And on powerhouse, women can access sort of a network of women across the state who are supporting each other. So you can make a profile for yourself, kind of similar to LinkedIn or something like that, but it's specific to Montana. And the only requirement we have to join powerhouse is that you be willing to help a Montana woman if she emails you through the site. So the idea is is to create kind of like an old girls network for women in Montana 
And this really grew out of our research where we found that so many women across the state would tell us, you know, like, I I can figure out how to get an education, but even if I have a good degree, it doesn't mean I can get a job in Montana. And we wanted to be able to create a network of relationships so people could learn about from other women in the network about how, how do I break into this industry? How did you start your own business? And so just kind of create social capital in that way. So that's really what Powerhouse is about. And in addition to becoming a member, there's also educational opportunities through Powerhouse. We offer webinars, in-person meetings when that's happening. It's not really happening very much right now. And then, of course, you know, just kind of the opportunity to connect with other people to find mentorship and support in that way. And how about the future? What are things looking like now in the in the age of COVID? What do you see on the horizon? Mm-hmm. Um, adjustments well, that are being made. Yeah. Yeah. So in the big picture, of course, COVID has meant a lot of challenges for women. Women, I'm sure you know, have been disproportionately impacted by COVID because of the fact uh, that women are most often caregivers. So a lot of times they're the ones who are trying to you know, teach their kids while also working and also potentially caring for others who are sick or their parents or others in their family. And they're also most likely to have lost jobs in this particular recession because of the kind of work that women do. They're more often to be the sort of the frontline workers, but also, you know, disproportionately represented in the service industry and others that have been highly impacted. So this is a tough time for women overall. I think that there are going to be some silver linings. I think that one of the things that we have learned through the COVID crisis is that a lot of the work that we do, it's actually possible to do from home. And this has been a battle that we've been fighting for a long time for women in the workforce is thinking about, are there ways that we can be more flexible with work? Are there ways that women could, you know, both work and get their job done, but also have the flexibility to take off and pick up their kid from school or et cetera. And so I feel like this whole crisis has allowed us the opportunity to figure out there's a lot of things that people can do while working more flexibly and from home. And so my hope is that in the long term, that'll be a benefit to women. Indeed. So Jen, we're at the end here. And I know you shared the website a little earlier, but maybe Mm -hmm. we could share it one more time in any other ways that you'd like people to reach out to you? Sure. So yes, so the Women's Foundation, www.wfmontana.org is a great place to learn about women's philanthropy and grant making in the state. And then if folks are interested in just learning more about the network and how to access support and jobs and opportunities and mentors, then www.powerhousemt.org is the place to go. And we have webinars coming up even next week if people are interested. So we have uh, kind of an ongoing feed of activities and conversations that people can certainly be involved in. Nice. Yes. And this is Heartstock. Thank you so much, Jen, for being on the show. And as usual, we'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you. Thank you. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5, Butte America Radio. Hear our live programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. Let's go.